hello, welcome to Make It Make Sense. Um, it is Wednesday, it's Ash Wednesday. So happy Ash Wednesday, start of Lent. Happy Valentine's Day. Um, and sadly, what should have been like a really happy, joyous day in Kansas City where I was born, um, there was the Chiefs parade for winning the Super Bowl and there was a mass shooting. So humanity at its finest opportunistic people um, fired into the crowd and um, I believe they were tackled by parade goers. So like brave people tackled them and two people are in custody, but I know for sure one is confirmed dead. I think 10 people in total were shot. So it's really kind of a sad day and, um, you know, just the things that happen in our world. Um, but I did want to come on quickly and give an update. I've given a couple updates as my treatment has gone on and this will be the third installment tomorrow of chemotherapy. So I just wanted to give a bit of an update of cold capping and just all of the things. So um, first of all, a correction or an amendment. I said originally that not super bought into the chemotherapy being necessary, that remains true. Um, but I did say that 100% the reason that I was doing it is because I have children and where that is factual, that is the reason that I find myself complying. Um, another reason that I think it would be remiss not to say is that I, I believe that I get treatment as well for all the people who don't have that option. So there are plenty of people who don't have a prognosis that is one that would allow for treatment. And that is the other reason I feel like it would be so um, disrespectful to those people who would kill for the ability to say that, to have someone say that there was a chance for recovery. And, you know, this is curative treatment that they're giving me. So they're, they're treating it so that it will never come back again. Like that is the ultimate goal. Some people have to have treatment and it, it continues on for the rest of their days and, and palliative treatment is just about making them comfortable that they're going to have treatment forever. And I'm not in that situation. So I think it is remiss of me not to mention that. Yes, the kids are the number one priority. That's the reason that I have agreed to treatment, but I also agree to treatment for anyone who wishes that they had that ability and that prognosis and, and have it. So I feel very fortunate that it's even an option. So that would be my secondary reason. Um, so I've shared cold capping and you can tell like I, you know, I have really the majority of my hair. So what I have learned from the internet is that when you have chemotherapy, you can expect hair loss to start between three and four weeks typically. Um, now I would technically be six weeks into this because it was six weeks ago. Yes, tomorrow that my first treatment was. So I'm well past the mark. And I would say it was just really in the last week that I have noticed hair loss. Now it doesn't really, like you can't really tell. I can tell because just the amount of, of like fall and like excess hair that's like thrown away in the trash can is pretty astounding. I'm like so nervous to even really touch my hair. So I almost never touch it. I'm not supposed to have it in a ponytail. Like I have to be very gentle with it. So I'm not supposed to have it in a ponytail. So I wear it in like a claw clip. Um, 
I mean, I've never babied my hair as much as obviously I am right now. Like I sleep with a satin bonnet or on a satin pillowcase. I use the claw clip. I don't use like a rubber band. So I'm not like pulling on it. I only like, and they will wash my hair once a week with very specific shampoo. So it's, it's a process. And, and even though I think the cold capping is helping, I definitely see that there is more hair loss. Now, the other thing that the internet will tell you is eyebrow and eyelash. And I, I'm sad about that. In fact, like if I had to kind of Sophie's choice, the thing I thought about it, you know, a little bit with in this process, would I rather lose my hair? Or would I rather lose my eyebrows and eyelashes? And I think the answer is probably my hair because, I, you know, chemo changes it, I guess. It, it comes back kind of different texture and just kind of different all around, I guess. And, you know, so... I think hair because of wigs or whatever. Um, but I haven't really noticed any like thinning of my eyebrows yet or my eyelashes. So I'm grateful for that, but, um, I'm definitely doing things to try to hold on to those too. So the first thing was, and I think this is important for people who are in this journey. It's this Ryan and Joseph's conditioning gel, like eyebrow and eyelash conditioning gel. So you can just like Google, Ryan Joseph. So this is the cold capping people. When I called to like place my order and, and was talking to like a really kind woman named Teresa about the cold capping process and she was giving me tips about it. Then she said, are you interested in trying to preserve your eyelashes and eyebrows? And I said, yes, of course. And she said that like chemo patients swear by this stuff. So um, I put this on a couple times a day on my eyebrows and my eyelashes, just like you would like a Latisse. Um, so that's kind of one of the things I don't know. I don't know if it's helping yet. I mean, I, I don't see any thinning yet. However, what, what's super weird about this chemo process is that yes, you lose hair, but the part that you don't like really think about is that you stop growing hair, which is super weird. So like, I don't have to tweeze my eyebrows like I normally would for maintenance because there's no hair growing. Um, I am a brunette, so I will have like a mustache that I have to deal with. And, um, I haven't had to deal with that at all. That's that's a plus. I don't have to shave. It's just really weird. Like there's not any hair growth, which is weird. And it's not something you think about like until you're in this process. Um, but truly like I, from what I can tell from the internet, like I, it probably should have started or I should be further along in my hair loss. So I do think the cool capping is helping. Um, but I definitely have noticed some faults. And so I'm kind of coming up with alternative strategies. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, it's really wild how so much of your identity is tied up into like you're just having hair and your appearance and like having your eyebrows and, and like these things that we just take for granted. And, you know, it just is like another part of the process that's really kind of unpleasant. So stay tuned for that. Um, so, um, chemo number two. So I had the second chemo and I also did not get sick. Now I, I've been super, this is like a weird thing for me to be so communicative with a doctor. Like normally I would have a symptom or have something happen and I just kind of like power through it. Like, you know, I don't complain about it. I just kind of keep going. And I think that's kind of a normal thing. Most of us do. Um, I don't report every little thing that happens, but when you're in a process like this, you really kind of have to report every little thing that happens. So when I have any sort of new, what could potentially be a symptom, I tell 
these doctors about it so that if there's something they can give me to relieve it or if it's like normal or not normal or just I just communicate and that's not normal for me so um I communicated like how after the first line I didn't like I had lots of nausea and I was super dizzy or like vertigo kind of spinny and they said that it's probably a dehydration thing that you know when you're that nauseous you're just not drinking enough fluids and so they suggested that after treatment, I come in a few days later for um, some fluids. So I had IV fluids after the second treatment. I also had, she, the PA prescribed a scopolamine, I think that's how it's pronounced, patch. And so it's basically like just a little patch that goes behind your ear. You can wear it for three days and it's supposed to help. Now, doing the fluids and the patch, I didn't have the same vertigo like dizziness the second chemotherapy so I don't know which one did it maybe a combination of both but you know it worked so I'm going to stay the course and do those again so that was a, a positive improvement I, I was lethargic I was tired a couple days after but that was really it I slept a ton I mean I think I have a really for anybody that has like insomnia or trouble sleeping like I feel for you I I'm so blessed I do not have that problem I'm like a black belt in sleeping and I can kind of just put myself back to sleep. Like I can sleep for hours and hours. Like it's pretty crazy. Like I'm definitely blessed in this department. And I love to sleep. So um, I did find myself the weekend after treatment, just kind of like sleeping the really the majority of the weekend, just because ultimately it was better to sleep and avoid nausea than like to deal with nausea. So I just slept and slept more and slept more. So I mean, I slept for over that Friday or Saturday, Sunday period, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I probably slept all but 10 hours. I mean, I, I slept a lot. So, you know, your body's going through some stuff, but then, you know, it was like Monday, I was like, right as rain, I was back to walking and all the stuff. And so I feel pretty lucky now and all of the fun things that people tell me about treatment, um, everyone pretty much concurs that the third one is the one that gets you. So I do have quite a bit of anxiety about tomorrow's treatment because, you know, chemotherapy is cumulative in your bloodstream. So these first four treatments are the worst part. The second part is taxol. And I guess it's not as awful. You don't lose as much air. You don't vomit as much. Like it's just a better, less severe thing. Like this first one is the one that they call red double. These first four treatments. So tomorrow's treatment number three. Everybody says treatment number three is kind of the one that gets you. So I'm having some anxiety about that. Um, I don't know what to do other than to try to stay in front of it like I have. So taking the meds in advance, you know, the Zofran. There's some other pill one that they gave me. Can't remember the name. The patch. I'll go in for fluids again. Um, but the positive side is that I've, I've done a great job of, like, staying away from people or being masked and like really kind of protecting myself if I'm around people, I, that's like an extra precaution because quite honestly, my blood cell, like my white blood cell counts are really amazing between the Nulesta and just like being youngish and healthy. Like I haven't had any problems. In fact, my counts have progressively, like they were better after chemo than they were even before. And then when I went in for my next treatment, like two weeks after my first one, they were better again. So like my body's doing a great job of like maintaining and fighting stuff off. 
but you know, I have been, I've always been one of those people that I'm like not super afraid of getting sick. I'm healthy. Like I don't get sick very often. And so I don't tend to stay away from people when they're sick, like just as a rule, but again, in, in the spirit of trying to do this only once and trying to be really responsible about what I'm doing, um, I don't mess with anyone who's sick. Like um, there was an agent at work who her partner is sick. I asked her not to come in. And I like love when people come into work. I want people to work. I want people to make money. They have to be there. They, they do better when they're there. So I like want people to come. But I asked her not to come because I don't want to risk getting sick. I where I we didn't go like we were intending to go to Kansas City to watch the Super Bowl and I was like I just don't think it's a great idea for me to be around a bunch of people so we didn't go um so just like I've done a good job of like helping maintain it I don't I think it's precautionary because really my body's doing pretty well thus far um and my counts are pretty outstanding so those are positive things but time number three we shall see um, I don't want it to be a self-fulfilling prophecy, so I'm trying not to give it like a lot of attention or like utter it that it's going to be the worst, but it's just what people keep telling me and they think that they're being helpful. The amount of things that people say that they feel like they're, they're being helpful to you, but maybe I'm weirder than the average person, but I don't find these things helpful. Like um, telling me that it was called Red Double, not helpful. Um, when I went after, when I went for my checkup after my first treatment, the PA said to me, one down 15 to go and I was like not helpful like I you know I, I just kind of think of this as like a club that I didn't really want to be a part of and I don't I'm not trying to have fun with that I'm just trying to power through it and so maybe I am weird then maybe people like to hear those things that they are one down 15 to go or time number three you need to be prepared because it's the one that gets you like you know it's it's people really trying to be helpful but maybe I'm weird and I don't find those things helpful. I find them kind of terrifying. So anyway, I'm a little bit scared about time number three, but you know, I'm proud of a lot of the things and the way that things have gone thus far. So um, what else? I did find out that they give you steroids. So like you would expect to get chemo and like be vomiting and like so sick and like afraid to eat anything because you don't know if it's going to come back up, like all the things that you kind of see. And I, I think that there've just been advancements and things like this. So they do give you steroids in your IV, in your port before you have your chemo treatment, which I couldn't understand. Like every time I was finished with treatment, not only was I hungry, but I was like famished. I was starving. Like we had to go get food immediately after finishing treatment. And I just found out this last time after my checkup with the doctor that there are steroids that they give you. And so these steroids make you super hungry. And so, you know, again, a lot like pregnancy, I find myself like hungry and feeling nauseous and kind of eating to stay in front of the nausea. Um, but just like, I'm not, not only am I not sick, like, but I'm not, like, I don't really have a loss of appetite because they pump you with all these steroids so that they can try to help you like ward off the nausea, which is interesting. I had no idea that this was a thing. I don't know if it was a thing when my mom went through this because it just seems like there are d things that they do a little bit differently. And I think that a lot of people say that like this, like chemotherapy is not as terrible as they expected it. And that's thus far been my experience. But again, I'm not cocky enough to believe that they're all going to be like this. I just know for having done this for now a month and a half, 
and having two on my way to my third treatment, like it wasn't what I was expecting. Not pleasant. I'd rather be doing other things, but manageable. So I think that's like a positive thing. And I didn't know that the steroids were happening, but that's part of it. I'm glad they don't keep me awake. Steroids usually keep people awake, but I don't have any trouble with that. Like, like I said, I'm a black belt. So again, like some weird pregnancy, like there are so many things about chemo that are, that are just similar. And like, even though my last pregnancy was a decade ago, it still feels like yesterday and all of this stuff still, still feels like, you know, just happened. So it all feels very reminiscent, but you can't have sushi. You can't have undercooked meat. You have to like, just the nausea feels the same. Like so many things about it are so similar, which it's kind of terrible. It's like chemo is this poison that's put in your body and pregnancy is this beautiful thing, but like these two things are so similar and do like the same thing. They're just both really hard on your body, I think, um, is the moral of the story. And so I do find a lot of this stuff is very reminiscent of like a, a girlfriend of mine, Stephanie, sent me this fantastic care package. It was so thoughtful and it had like nausea lollipops that she used when she, in pregnancy and like stuff like that, because really so meant so much of this is similar. Like the instructions are similar. It's, it's a really interesting experience. So anyway, um, so, you know, I think what has been kind of interesting to me in this process is I, I would never like describe myself as like a super positive person. I do think I'm resilient. I think I'm scrappy. I think I kind of fight my way through things. But I would never say that I was like the most optimistic person. In fact, I, I think I would actually say I'm a realist, almost to the point of being pessimistic. Like I'm so, yes, but this is the worst thing that can happen. And this is probably what will happen. Like that's kind of my, out, my outlook on those things. But yesterday, well, throughout this whole thing, like, you know, sharing this, on this podcast and and when I do talk about it, you know, just kind of being very matter of fact and it's a learning process and I'm sharing all of it. And one of my girlfriends, a really good friend of mine, um, Izzy's godmother, a good friend for years, Krista, she and I were talking yesterday and she said, you know, you like, I'm so proud of you. Like you have been so positive and just like, you're more positive than me and I'm not going through this. And I was just like kind of blown away by it because you know, I wouldn't, I would not classify myself as a positive person, but I think that, um, I mean, you know, it's kind of like, there's nothing to it, but to do it. Like I, I know that, um, there are lessons to be learned. That's what I'm trying to do is focus on the lessons. I think that in any like situation that you have any, you know, adversity that you have in your life, if you focus on trying to learn the lesson and trying to make sure that you walk away enriched, it will give you enough of the distraction so you're not wallowing and feeling sorry for yourself. And I think that has kind of been my philosophy for most things in life. Um, and it's definitely been something that has helped me in this situation because even when the most negative thing comes at me and Lord knows, like, man, the hits keep coming when you're going through something like this. But it's like, I, I take it, I process it. I try to understand why it's happening. I try to understand what I was supposed to learn from it. And just the act of like focusing on that and then picking myself up and powering through, it makes it look like I'm super positive. I, I actually think that I'm just scrappy and that I'm just resilient and I'm gonna, you know, like assess the situation and charge forward because it's my personality. 
Um, but I, I, I think it's really interesting, like how many people have reached out and they're like, you're so positive and like, it's so refreshing. And I think that, you know, I have always been a person that I don't love, if I don't want to talk about something or give it what I call like giving it air, giving it life. And it's a topic that's just can put me in a negative space and it can be uncomfortable, such as cancer. I just avoid it. You just don't talk about it. And, you know, there are definitely times where things have happened in life and people reach out to me and I will, against my better judgment, I will make my force myself to have the conversation and talk about it. But what I've realized in this experience is when I have those conversations and I put myself in a place that maybe isn't the happiest place that I could be, those conversations are really for that other person right? Because going against your better judgment and putting yourself in a negative space because you talk about something at a time when you're not in the right headspace to do it is really just harmful to you. So for the first time in my existence, I am, I am not going there. Like if the phone rings, people just never know. Like, I mean, I've had been so blessed. So many people calling to check up on me and, and make sure that I'm doing okay and just kind of check in. And I'm so grateful for that. But like, if I'm not in a place where I feel like I can talk about it and I'm going to be okay talking about it, it's not going to like ruin my day or put me in a bad space. I just let it go to voicemail or I will like give a heart to their text or whatever and just don't really say a lot. And, you know, I, I have realized in this process that that is probably the best way to like protect my mental health and my well-being in this process. And because of it, because I'm not super chatty about it, like I just don't talk about it a lot. I think it naturally has left a lot of people thinking that the prognosis is terrible, right? Because we hear the big C, we hear cancer, and we all know someone who's died of cancer. We all are kind of bracing ourselves for the worst. And I think that that's human nature and that's normal, but I've kind of brought some of that on myself, right? It's like, because I don't talk about it and because I don't really have a lot of dialogue, if they haven't watched this podcast to understand where I'm at in the journey and what, how it's all going, then they automatically is endorsed like any of us would. And so like, you know, again, I like, it's not something that I can change because I'm pretty careful about protecting like my well-being, like my mental health, my just state of mind. And so I'll continue to do it. Like I will only speak about it when it makes sense and it's on my terms because that's what I have to do to protect me. Sorry, we had to edit some barking out. I have three dogs and uh, glutton for punishment. So um, don't even remember what I was saying. But the when I do finally talk to someone about it, when I do open up and have the conversation, like I can hear almost audibly hear the like relief <laughs> in their voice because it really isn't as dire as they assumed it was because they didn't know anything except there was a diagnosis. Um, when people see me, I think, you know, I don't, I don't look ill. I, I don't, I don't feel sick. So like, I think it is much better when you have more of a pulse on it. And so I, I do feel badly because I'm not, you know, sharing like maybe I could, but again, it's just what I have to do to make it through this process. I mean, you know, not to lose sight of the fact that I 
am a single mother. I live 500 miles away from the majority of my friends and family. And, you know, I kind of have to protect every ounce of my energy just to get through all of the things that I have to do and this being added on. Um, so, I mean, again, like it's just not ever something that I've done and it, you know, it just is what feels right. And so I talk about it when I want to talk about it. I don't talk about it. Otherwise I don't give it any air. Um, but I do think, you know, as things go, it's going pretty well. I look forward to my birthday is in July. Everything should be wrapped up by then. I want to take a vacation with my kids, um, something celebratory to mark the end of an era because again, never intend to do this again. I'm trying to make the necessary changes to make sure that I don't. And the treatment that they're giving me is curative. There's curative treatment. So they're trying to cure you so it doesn't come again or there's palliative treatment and that's where they will be treating you for the rest of your life. And so I'm super fortunate that it's curative. They did find it early. They're throwing everything they have at it. And so far it hasn't ruined me, but stay tuned. I will do another update after um, this next round of chemo. So tomorrow's the day, cold capping. I have um, my ex-husband, bless him. He was here to kind of step in and pinch it while like we were doing the cold capping last time. It was, you know, still new to us. Um, he went to pick up the dry ice for me today. So like, I do have so many people that are so helpful. My friend Caroline, who went through this a year ago, um, she picked up the ice for me last time. Like, picking up this dry ice, it's like 45 minutes away. It's a total pain in the ass. It's a lot of work. It's just like one more thing to do. Um, she picked it up for me last time. She's also been like super helpful with, you know, tips and tricks and things to know because she just went through this process. Um, so lots of angels, lots of people around me that I really do appreciate. And I, I do appreciate all the people that are reaching out and, you know, we talk when it works to talk and, but I'll keep sharing this way. And if you're a praying person, say a prayer for me that it goes as well as it has the last two times tomorrow and I'll report back and, you know, let you know how it went. So thanks for listening. Um, thanks for your well wishes and, um, on to the third one. So stay tuned. Take care.